I'm lucky I've got a great family around me and I don't think I could manage without them because I sometimes I need to come back and just talk about my day or what's happened and for me that's really important and actually I hadn't told many people that I was making this podcast until the whole Pulse Award thing happened especially in I live in a little village and neighbours and things I just never spoke about it they knew that my mum had dementia and I went to look after her sometimes or every week but I shared it with them when I got the award and, and then they started to listen and then that just opened up a whole other avenue of people who were concern and wanted to know more and offered their support and now I realise I've got a sort of new network of people that I can talk to and share and that means my family don't have to be the ones all the time I can talk to other people. I'm finding people like you who understand it you know that's been the thing that's the thing I would say as a tip to anyone else is just if you've got someone you can talk to just to offload I think it really helps. My policy is that if my mum talks about her dementia that we have an open conversation about it I don't try and sort of hide it or not discuss it with her if she wants to and actually I know that's unusual because lots of people I've come across don't talk to their parent or whoever it might be about the dementia and some might not even want them to know the diagnosis but for us what works is being open yeah that's me as well that's my approach which is why there might sometimes be disagreements between siblings in terms of how to approach these things. I will talk to my dad about whatever he wants to talk about, but the problem is that when he when he sees me, he wants to talk about all of the most difficult things because he knows I'll let him. There's definitely benefits to dealing with what's there rather than what you'd like to be there. I can also see the argument why having circular conversations with my dad about death is not good for me or him. I can see why people might tell him, let's not talk about that, let's change the subject. I can see why they do that. It just feels to me like at this stage if that's what he wants to talk about that's what he wants to talk about if that's all he's got that he can talk about and engage with then I feel like that's what he should be able to do do you remember you do you remember me and all our history trapped in a memory going down 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 sunless sea memories of my dad episode 2 comparing notes this episode includes content funded by the British Podcast Awards and the Wellcome Trust and it contains a spoiler for the podcast drama series The Family Tree So I'm here in the house of Penny Bell and her dogs. I'm here to record a conversation for Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad. And this will be the first voice on the show, really, that isn't either me or my dad. We should probably start by saying hello to you, Penny. Uh, Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm very excited to be having this conversation. Weirdly a bit nervous about it, which is funny because we're both podcasters and we both have these kind of conversations quite regularly. But you're normally the person behind the microphone and I'm normally comfortable having conversations. But for this project, I'm like, what if I don't get everything while I'm here? And then I get home and I'm like, oh no, you know, there's follow up questions that I can't ask without booking a load more train tickets. (laughs) No, that's true. I am used to being the other side of the microphone. In fact, I'm trying to think, but I think this is probably one of the first interviews I've ever done myself. But first to to explain why I'm even having conversations with people who aren't my dad on a show that's about my dad. The main reason for that is that I received an award from the British Podcast Awards and the Wellcome Trust, which is called the Pulse Award. And it was given to podcasters who want to explore science as part of our shows. And I'm not the only person in this room who's received that award, right? No, I very luckily received one also, and I'm excited to be working on another podcast, which is also along the same lines as as your idea in that it explores my journey with my mum who has dementia. Yeah, so we're doing very similar things, I suppose, in some ways. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that we are. And I think that's really the reason I reached out to you and, and said we should have this conversation. And I wanted the first other voice that they hear to be somebody who's doing a very similar thing to me. So we can kind of bring the audience in to why this strand of this show exists. For listeners to the project, I am in a very different place than you will hear me in, in many of the episodes, which are memoir pieces, uh, documentary pieces. You're going to have heard versions of me from 2011. In fact, even some of them go back to when I was three or four years old. And so I think it's going to be weird for them to place me and my dad in terms of time and where we are in, in this journey. And where I am normally in my everyday life at this point is I'm very far away from my dad. I very rarely see him. He's a, in a different part of the country. But in most of the episodes, it's all about what it's like to be really close to my dad and live like round the corner from him and see him every single day. So I guess I'm in a position now where I've got the distance to be able to really think about a lot of my feelings that I couldn't really think about when I was really involved in in being near to him. And where he is, is a very different place than any of the recordings that people will hear. I mean, I'm hoping that I'm going to record a final conversation with him where he is now. But in all of the versions of my dad that people will have heard on the show or will hear on the show in the future, they're versions of him where he has more of an awareness of where he is, what's happening than he does now. When I meet him now, he doesn't recognize who I am. And it's weird when I'm making this show as well, I've got a picture of my dad looking at me on my window. So, so I'm sort of seeing him all the time and I'm listening to all of these different versions of him. And not just of him, of me as well, because 2011 me was not a me I agree with on very much. You know, I've changed a lot. Since we met at this workshop for Pulse Award recipients, I've spent all of this time in the past with different versions of me and different versions of my dad very intensively because there's quite a short deadline on us getting these things together. And now I'm just starting a process of three weeks of intensive conversations with people about the issues around my dad, about the science behind it. But we're not going to talk about the science very much today. I mean, we may, but neither of us are scientists. No, no definitely not a scientist, no. <laughs> but interested in, in you know, what you're going to discover through this and how it links. So you're looking at how the science links to your dad's dementia and over the years. Well... To my dad's dementia and other things. So like one, one way we connect is that we're both making work around dementia. But I guess my dad, and we'll get into this later on, but my dad is in a, a different sort of position to your mum, as far as I understand from listening to your show. And so it's also, it's, it's much more about death, old age, um, mental health stuff to do with me. Uh, primarily, but also a bit my dad and also other issues like uh, recreational and medical drug use and uh, heart conditions because my dad's got some heart conditions. So there's, there's a few different things that I'm going to be looking at. I'm a bit worried actually that I'm going to learn stuff that I should have done five years ago. I feel like I've already started that process by listening to your show. Like uh, when I'm listening to your show, I'm like, if only I'd had your show five years ago, 10 years ago, I would have had different approaches, different ideas that I might have been able to bring into my dad's life that are kind of a bit late to do now. The the horse is bolted, as it were. But to give the listeners an idea of, of what I'm talking about when I say your show, uh, what is Discovering Dementia? Well, it's about my journey with my mum. So my mum was diagnosed with mixed dementia, which is Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, about four years ago. And I knew before that that probably she had dementia, but I didn't know if there was any advantage to getting a diagnosis. She was very happy. She was living on her own, but we were dealing with a few memory issues. Eventually, it became clear that it was probably sensible to go and see the doctor and get some advice. And she had a brain scan and then eventually she was diagnosed with mixed dementia and the advantage of getting diagnosed was that she could start on medication straight away. So that was brilliant. And for us, it did help. It really did make a difference to her for the first two weeks. I don't think that's the case for everyone, but for her, it did. But what we didn't have was any other advice. I asked the doctor, should we come back or do we have follow-ups? Or And she just said, no, go off and live, <laughs> right. which is, it's difficult because that's a massive diagnosis. 
And I just didn't know where we were going to go with it or what it would mean or what the future held or would my mum stay the same or would things get worse really quickly? I just had no idea. And I, I think it's probably a bit better now and things are changing. But for us, it was literally a diagnosis. Here's your tablets. Off you go. And so I felt a bit lost and I started to do research And I could see there were things going on and things out there. But I felt like if I feel like this, there must be other people in a a similar situation. So I just started to document what was happening by recording because I've worked as a radio journalist in the past. And so it was kind of a natural way to to go with documenting things. And my mum was very up for it because she felt that there was a lot of stigma around being labelled as someone who had dementia and she wanted to be open and talk about it and not have people feel afraid if they came across someone who had dementia and and to understand what it meant so they knew how to have conversations with people. So the first one, the first episode I did was just mum and I talking and it was the day of her diagnosis and I didn't really know where we were going with it at that point but what came through I think really strongly was just that mum's determination to want to share what was happening. So do you remember what the doctor told you it was today? Yes. What did she say? Well she said it was it was um um I know what she said I understand it but I can't remember her words um well she said it was dementia and she said um she 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 mentioned one or two other points, but I can't remember what they were. But I mean, I knew what she was doing. I knew what she was saying. So when she said it was dementia, what did you? What were you thinking? I think I was thinking about the car, <laughs> feeling slightly miffed. I wasn't going to. I was very surprised that she said I couldn't drive. I was quite convinced that she was going to say I could drive in the daylight, but not in the dark, which I would have fully understood. But she didn't. She said, I can't drive at all. So, I mean, I accept that. So I've taken that as the green light. And she knows that we're doing this together. And every now and then I get my microphone out. And she's like, oh, right, OK, if we go. <laughs> and we've recorded things. But what I found, I, I didn't plan the episodes to start with. I just, that's the dog coming in. I just, <laughs> um, I just did that one. And each one I did seemed to lead to something else. So that one was just us talking through her diagnosis. But then I heard about something called the Alzheimer's show where you could go and find out lots about Alzheimer's and lots of people who have anything to do with dementia go along and sort of share what what things they offer. So I went to that and I took my microphone and I met other people who were like me looking for information or new ways of doing things. And I realised what a spectrum there was because we were so much at the beginning of our journey. My mum was fully aware of what was going on and wanted to talk about it. But then I, I met relatives who were dealing with a very different side to dementia where, as you mentioned before, that your dad doesn't know who you are now. In a way, I don't know if it, if it was a good or a bad thing. I suppose it's useful to be aware, but I just got this massive shock. Oh my goodness, this is a very long road and I don't know how fast I'm going to be going down it. People there were, were very open about what was happening to them and I was very grateful to them for talking to me and I I came across one lady there who had early onset dementia so she was early 60s I think possibly diagnosed earlier than that and she was happy to talk to me more so I connected with her and went and spoke to her about what she'd experienced so then that became episode three and I spent lots of lovely time with Jill and she told me about how she lives her life independently on her own and she belongs to a gardening group so we went to a gardening group. Each episode seemed to lead to something else and I didn't do them every two weeks or anything like that they just evolved naturally. That's where we're at now and I'm very pleased to have the Pulse Award because it now means I can make more of those kind of episodes and look at all different aspects and areas. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to hear the the work that comes out of the Pulse Award in general, like all of the other projects are really exciting. But I guess particularly yours, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing. Why did you decide to make a podcast? Well, I suppose when I started, podcasts were, I mean, they were a thing and they are still a thing. They're happening and evolving. But what I like about the format is it's very freeing. So you can do whatever you want. There aren't any restrictions or guidelines. I mean, perhaps more so than there used to be. But I just felt it needed to be something that just evolved and was what it was, what felt right for that particular thing, whatever it was I was covering. I was definitely on a journey and each episode was leading to the next thing and it was whatever it was. I think the more people that do podcasts or do writing or do anything, I'm, I embrace it. You know, the, the more people out there talking about it, the better. I think that the information that people can get now is improving. I'm pretty sure if 
you went for a diagnosis now fingers crossed you would get a bit more support initially and it's not because the GPs don't want to because then there's the whole other area of financing social care and you know all that goes along with that that make it difficult for people to be supported sometimes if we can get more information from the sort of official bodies but also there are people like you and people like me and other people I know who make podcasts about dementia and the more of us there are the better because then people can go anywhere and they'll get something from all of it. I've had a great time listening to all of the episodes of your podcast although sometimes I've had complex emotions brought up by them because as you say your mum is in a very different place to my dad and so it kind of reminds me of who he used to be quite often and and what what he doesn't have now like as much as there are familiar experiences and it's interesting you're you're documenting your parent getting dementia and I'm making a documentary about my parent, but I didn't deliberately document his descent towards dementia. Like I started off having conversations with him about completely different things. And when he was, you know, young enough and he didn't even really have dementia at the beginning to sort of talk as he always had done with me. And then over the years, I've accidentally documented his dementia. Like the older he's got, the more into dementia he's got, the more that's all he can think about in some ways, even though he can think about memories occasionally and go back into the past. He's increasingly really wanted to articulate his feelings from within dementia. I mean, when 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 I say he can't recognise me, he does recognise me eventually, but it's a real shock, you know, when you're dad and we're very close as well it's not like when people talk about the relationship with their parents they could mean you know people have lots of different kinds of relationship with their parents and not everybody's super close but me and my dad are or were yeah it's 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 really interesting to kind of hear you go on this journey from a very different perspective you know from the start knowing that you're documenting dementia rather than kind of falling into it. We're sort of doing the opposite, aren't we, in a weird way, without realising it. So you're looking back at the whole journey and I'm at the start looking forward. And I know it does get worse, but I think I just ignore that bit at the moment and just focus on the now and see where we're at now. Because it's a constantly changing thing. And mum has changed since three years ago when she was first diagnosed but I suppose I see it as from my maybe it's a protective thing as a a kind of problem solving thing so I think okay that's the problem now right what can we put in play how can we sort that out what can we do next to make that easier and my goal is for her to stay at home on, on her own for as long as possible and with support which she has now and I'm there a lot and that's kind of what I'm focusing on without thinking about it getting worse. And sometimes people say, oh, my mum's a, a pianist, she's a brilliant pianist, and she still plays loads. But somebody said to me one day, of course, she won't be able to do that eventually. And that was a bit of a shock. I thought, wow, I hadn't really thought of that. I'm not going to think about that. Because right now, she's she's a brilliant pianist, so I'm going to go with that. You're going on this journey with your mum from the start as well. What I'm experiencing when going through all of this old material, my dad gets worse as the years go on but I improve as a person (laughs) so the early stuff I don't like listening to because I disagree with all my opinions the late stuff I don't like listening to because it's sad to, to hear my dad having lost so much okay what is this Adagio by Mozart mistake Okay. But it's interesting you say as as well about your mum being a pianist. My dad's a writer. For a lot of years, he clung on to writing, but now he's got to the point where he can't really write. But I don't think that's quite an analogy with music, because the thing is, as my dad's lost all of his senses, that's meant that he can't use his fingers, things like that, to type or whatever. But music is still something that can reach him and it reaches a lot of people with dementia. And so the fact that music is your mum's passion rather than writing, I think is quite a good sign for your mum kind of continuing to engage with the thing that she loves and knows about for longer, you know, as she's going forwards into this thing. And also the thing to remember is that as we talk about this, I don't want you to think this is the future that my mum's going to because... It won't be necessarily. Dementia is different for everybody, but also my dad has a number of other conditions that are also part of the 
the jigsaw of how he is now. I think the music is really important. I think music's good for everyone, no matter what age, you know, older people who don't have dementia as well. But for her, it's always been her life and she loves it with a passion. She plays the piano all day long and it's something she knows and is familiar with. And so she still likes to teach people if there's an opportunity to do that because that's what she's always done. We went on a, a holiday, uh, which is one of the podcast episodes, actually, a dementia adventure, it was called. We've done a couple of those holidays now and they're brilliant because everybody on the holiday that volunteers and helps understands dementia. But mum likes nothing more than to make a little choir out of the people that are on the group, gathers a little group together and she'll get them to warm up and sing notes, show them how to breathe properly. And these are all things that she just loves doing. And I'm sure she will carry on doing them forever and a day. And she's part of a choir. She has a great community. She's very lucky, actually. She lives in a small town. I suppose it's a bit bigger than it used to be now, but everybody knows her. And so I'm happy she's able to wander in and out of the town and she'll see people she knows either from now or from years ago and people will chat to her and stuff. And from that, there's a choir that she's part of and the choir have completely organised themselves to pick mum up on the night that it's choir practice, provide her with the music, take her to the practice and then bring her home afterwards and settle her back into her house. And she doesn't have to remember that it's choir, find the music, you know, they've taken care of all of that for her. That means she can still be part of a choir, which she loves and gets so much from. And I think all of these things, playing the piano, singing, they help your brain to keep active and to keep going. I mean, it's interesting, is that I think like music is a thing that kind of speaks to something that we can't quite define as, as human beings. We, we we can put loads of words around what makes us like music, but but it's something different from other kinds of creativity, I think. And so, like, what I've seen with my dad is, like, what you need to be able to write is memory. You need to be able to re- remember ideas as well as your own memories if you're doing memoir. Um, but if you're doing fiction, you, you really need to be able to remember stuff. Uh, even if it's like words, like you need to remember like what word you want to put in the sentence. Whereas with music, you can just kind of like, even if you forget what notes you should press, you can just put your hand on a on a piano and push down and it makes a sound that speaks to something that we can't fully articulate. Though my dad has always said he's unmusical, he's touched by music. Only music and dogs can kind of reach him in ways. And it's sad to no longer be able to be one of the things that reaches him uh, in that kind of way that that takes him out of his kind of prison uh, that he kind of feels like he's in now. But it's interesting as well, like, again, hearing about your mum's life now, which is great, for me is a very melancholy experience because he did live on his own for as long as possible, but now he's in, you know, assisted accommodation and all of those sorts of things that he he didn't really ever want. But he's reached the point whereby he does have to have other people look after him because it's for his own good. Uh, And that's a weird thing to take away someone's agency we didn't take away his agency dementia did so it's kind of a weird thing to sort of watch and think about I know it is hard when mum was first diagnosed we did have conversations about how she might want to be looked after in the future and we did go around some local care homes to look at what those options were not just ones where it's nursing care but ones where you can have assisted living or you can start off living independently and we thought about all of those things but I knew and she wanted to be at home so that was our plan to to be at home for as long as possible but knowing and I think mum knows this too that if there comes a point where she's not safe to be there then we'll have to have a rethink and she says that herself now you know she she, I think she understands that we'll do our best that's our goal and hopefully it will carry on that way and there are different types of care that you can put in place that means she could be at home with somebody there all the time and that's that's very much on my mind and we're sort of slightly moving towards that now but she enjoys 
having the carers that come in and they're not there to look after her physically you know wash her or dress or anything like that they're just there really just to prompt her so she's still independent and you know can get her meal ready or whatever it might be but she just needs someone there to to help remind her to do things which I think is working quite well and and she because she's a chatter she loves talking Mm -hmm. she loves company it works really well, I think, at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting. That that was my job in a way for quite a few years, going to see my dad every day and just and, and checking in on him. And then for a, a little bit of time after I stopped doing that as the main person doing it, we started having two people coming in. So again, a lot of that's very relatable to me. It's an interesting thing, though, talking to, to your parent about what they want, because once you've asked them that question, you're stuck knowing what they want regardless of whether that's possible. But yeah, I mean, to give a bit of context, I guess, our parents are in very different positions. There's many reasons for that. One is, you know, your your mum's in her 70s, right? Whereas my dad is 95. He had a sort of a mini stroke when he was 88, I think. And that's probably when dementia started. Your your mum's also got use of her senses. You know, she can she can hear. My dad's very deaf at this point. He he, he can't smell. He can't taste. Uh, he can't use his fingers. Touch is something that he doesn't get very much. He's got very dry skin, I think. So when he does feel things, it's not the pleasant sensations that we're used to having. Your mum, when she was diagnosed, did I think what's a very common thing for people with dementia to do which is minimizing the situation you know listen to the first episode of discovering dementia for that it's it's a really it's a really delightful episode anyway I love the episodes where you and your mum are together I love those is that what I got well I think they described it as um there's some evidence of things happening on your scan Mm -hmm. and they can't um they can rule out things like a brain tumour and, mm. you know, that, mm. but that this evidence coupled with um, symptoms that you might have had, so you know your memory's getting worse, that sort of thing, leads them to think it might mm. be that. I don't think it's terribly bad because an awful lot of my friends are, are the same in the sense that they start sentences and can't finish them <laughs> and think, you know, small things like that and then we just laugh. Certainly, that there have been lots of times when I've sort of forgotten what I was going to say, and the usual reaction is people saying, oh, I do that all the time. All the time, don't worry about it, we all do that. And it's quite true in, in most cases. <laughs> but what, what kind of things have you noticed that made you think... Well, people start a sentence and they can't finish it, that sort of thing, which seems to me fairly normal. <laughs> Honestly, especially when you get to my age. She kind of almost plays it down at the beginning. When my dad realised or started to realise he had dementia, he went the opposite way. He catastrophized it. The word he chooses to use to describe his experience is demented, um, which has a weird, you know, makes people really react. That's the word my mum hates. She she doesn't like the word dementia because she thinks that it sounds like demented and she doesn't want anything to do with that as a word. I mean, she knows what she has, but I think she prefers to think of it as memory issues. And in a weird way, she's quite fascinated by the effect it has on her. And sometimes she calls it the gremlin if she's forgotten to do something or sometimes... She'll put something somewhere and then it'll appear somewhere else and it'll be because she's moved it, but she won't have a memory of that. And so she calls it the gremlin that's affecting her and does find it an interesting thing and wants to tell people she's got it. Which actually, can, I remember being in a taxi once and she more or less straight away said, of course, I've got dementia. And the poor taxi driver didn't quite know what to say because they were just taking us from A to B and they weren't sure whether to react to it and discuss it or not respond. But that's her approach is just tell everyone and find it fascinating that these weird things are happening in her mind. And I, I have to say she's remarkable in the way that she handles it at the moment and, and is still able to be independent with a lot of support sort of independent but with other people in the background keeping her keeping her going and that's actually that's a similarity between our parents from what I've heard anyway I I I don't I've never met your mother but I feel like I have um (laughs) 
But like that's a similarity is is that they're very independent people. They have their own opinions about lots of different things and, the, and that's the way it's going to be. That even when my dad is going around or was going around saying that he was demented, that was in a similar kind of vein, I guess, to what your mum is doing when she's kind of like telling people very straightforwardly and, and being fascinated with it. He was kind of like, you know, announced this in a kind of provocative way because he wanted to kind of, he's quite provocative anyway. And so, yeah, that, that's why he likes to use that word. But it's a, it's a weird word word even for me to deal with I think for somebody to but it definitely confuses people when someone comes up to you and says I'm demented you know I'm demented and it's sort of like very that doesn't help people to understand what what my dad was going through and it took me a while to to fully understand that he was experiencing dementia partly because of the way that he immediately started presenting it as the worst a long time before it actually was um, the worst. My mum is physically very fit and she walks everywhere. And that's something that often is the case with some people with dementia, that they're physically fine, but it's it's their memory that's the issue. And perhaps getting lost if they're out and things like that, that's not an issue for my mum. But she is very physically fit, which is different to your dad by the sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, he was very physically fit for a very long time and then no longer. But I mean, he lasted a while, you know, I mean, that's the thing. That's the thing to really remember that, you know, my dad is 95. It's a lot of years away. Even if even if your mum was any has a trajectory, anything like my dad's, it's a way away my dad's age. One of the things I've noticed listening to your show is that you use the term or and people guests use the term person living with dementia, uh, which is like, which is such a stark contrast to demented. And I can see the reason why. Absolutely. Person first. And everything about that person is still the same. They've just got dementia. I think you should try and help people to live well with dementia as much as you can. So carry on doing all the things you did before and you just might need a little bit of extra help to do that. And be sociable if if that's something you're used to doing. And I think studies are more and more finding now. I know we're not going to talk about science and I can't quote things exactly, but I know that to be in company is so much better for any of us, not just someone with dementia, to have people around you in a social outlet. And so those are the things you should carry on doing as much as you can, not just be isolated on your own think you know, you've got dementia and that's the end of your life because it isn't. That was definitely the approach we took for, you know, quite a, even now, you know, we take that approach. It's just my dad's in a different position. Yeah, person first makes sense in general. I'm quite a fan of that way of, of, of talking as well. And it's not even just person with dementia, it's person living with dementia, which is a, a good word, really, because it reminds us that, that you can live in an enjoyable way, like living rather than persevering. A new quality is there within your life, but it's not something that has to define it. They say that if you've met a person with dementia, you've met one person with dementia because the way it works is everybody is different. So the journey for my mum is going to be different to the journey for your dad and to anyone else who's got dementia. And that's so important to remember that what you see one person going through and how they live their life is not going to be the way that everyone has to do it just because they've got dementia. We're we're all individuals we've all got individual personalities and that doesn't change you want to break down the stigma and not have people walk away if they hear you've got dementia and they don't know how to talk to you so there's movements like dementia friends where they're trying to train people how to talk to someone who's got dementia and I learned a lot by spending more time with people who work with people with dementia to learn how to communicate it's people who are further along the, the journey than my mum is who have perhaps lost some of their language skills and are prone to mood swings up and down how do you communicate with someone if you're not from that work yeah how do you know what to say and what to do and you need to step into it and and kind of learn different ways to communicate I mean one example we were with a lady who was like that she didn't have language skills and she was very emotional and there's a thing with dementia called sundowning sometimes in the evening people are more restless it depends on the type of dementia and the person everything but this lady was experiencing this kind of restlessness and someone put on some music and we all started sort of doing a bit of dancing and then she began to join in and everything seemed a bit easier for her. So, you know, we were talking about music as a way of communicating. You know, that was one way to reach her in that instance. You know, if you're at, if you're just going out doing your shopping and you see someone struggling with their change at the till, you know, that's my mum now. And right. now if I see that, I think, oh, that person might have dementia. I, I mustn't be annoyed that they're holding right. me up in the queue. Right. 
let's give them time and be patient. That's why more and more people need to be kind of dementia trained or dementia aware in different so particularly in banks and things like that, because that sometimes money is an issue for people. You know, they're not sure what the coins are for and they don't remember they've taken money out. And to have that kind of awareness from people on the high street is, you know, is really helpful. And then that means that person can be independent and, and um, carry on living their life. But you know that there's someone there who understands a little bit about what they're going through. That's definitely good. I mean, because you could also have the other problem as well is that, you know, my dad a few times has has been kind of taken advantage of by people because they can see that he's got money in his hand or whatever and they'll take you know they can take it off him without him knowing or they can tell him that they're somebody that they're not and get the money off him and things like that so it's definitely for all of us to be aware but it's interesting as well when you say like having more patience with people you know counting out their change I think that's something that we need to have like across the board as well isn't it like like every time we see somebody we don't know what they're going through and it might be that they're living with dementia it might be that they're living with mental health issues it might be that they're having a very stressful day who knows but but like remembering that they have a life that is separate from ours and they've got their own problems is a good thing you know regardless of who they are I think the other thing about dementia is it's not just always about memory loss either because there's so many other things I mean you, you said your dad's experiencing problems with his sight and his hearing and some of those can be part of dementia and you lose your I don't know is it proprioception that, that it's a very it's a word like that anyway but basically you lose your ability to see things in the same way so your eyes are working perfectly well but how that information is processed is altered in some way through the dementia so a checkered carpet would potentially especially if it's black and white look like it was full of black holes and so someone with dementia might want to avoid that carpet and then as the person looking after them you might think what's she doing just walk across you learn about these things as you go along and and realize that dementia is not just that processing is another one so processing processing and planning so my mum would always have had a diary to keep notes of things in when they were happening and so on but that became a bit harder to keep track of things so if I made a plan to go and see her she might call me a few times after we'd made the plan just to go over what the plan was and understand what the plan it'd be something very simple like I'll pop over at five o'clock but that became much harder for her to process and all of these extra things are all part of dementia but a lot of people think that it's only about the memory loss and it's not and that's only something I learned through being with mum and watching it happen and then doing my own research. Similarly that's when I learned that that was the case and in fact I only learned fully the full range of areas that dementia can touch listening to your podcast even though I'd read a lot of leaflets and various and spoken to doctors at the time that hadn't really fully registered it you know because that's the thing when we get this information we're feeling a load of emotions at the same time so we don't always take it all in so good to hear though to know that it has been helpful because that's really why I did it because apart from just I guess as we've discussed that I was perhaps processing my own feelings about it but to know that it's actually helping somebody else and providing information is is really good you say a few times on your show that it's there to make people feel less alone right that's the kind of work I tend to do is whatever it's about whether it's about masculinity or whatever it is it's designed to say I'm not the only person who's experiencing it you're not the only people who are experiencing it we're we're not alone there's lots of people out there who are experiencing these things There's many types and kinds of dementia. My dad, when we went to the memory clinic the first time, his original diagnosis was mild vascular dementia caused by a mini stroke or strokes. The second time I went to the memory clinic with him, it was no longer mild. It was mixed dementia by then. I'm going to talk to some dementia experts and they will tell me what all of these things mean more clearly. But obviously that's something you've had to kind of discover when you were going on this journey yourself. Yes, definitely. There's so many different kinds of dementia. 
I mean, dementia is like the umbrella term and underneath it come a myriad of different types of dementia and some affect different parts of the brain. So there's one that affects the front part of the brain and some that alter people's personalities a little bit and some that give you other problems. And so that's again why you can't say everyone with dementia is the same because they're not. They've got different types of dementia as well as being different types of people and they all present with different kinds of problems. And that's why you, you... you have to look down the road. This is something else I want to explore and explain to people about all the different powers of attorney you can get for finance and for health and welfare so that you become an advocate for the person. But I feel it's a responsibility in that I want to do it it the right way and do what she would have wanted. Yeah, I mean, I am one of the two siblings who has power of attorney with my dad, which is weird because we made that decision when I was living near him and now I hardly see him. So it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of kettle of fish. For me, I, I've been, a, I guess I've been in a, an everyday carer role for a long time. I found it very difficult having watched him go through all of that experience. And also I've got my own mental health issues and I need to make money, which is different from say my retired older sibling. I've got to the point now where I'm making this show which is a different kind of caring for my dad in that I'm giving him the exposure that he's always wanted. His words are getting out there to people and that's something he's always wanted. And on a different show, I gave him the the fictional death that he wanted. Um, He was a kind of collaborator in those scenes. He decided the death he wanted, which in that case is a magical realist show. So he got to change into a tree and be planted where he would like to live. With magical realism, you can do things that you can't necessarily do in everyday life. Helps you to process it, I guess, to do all those things. And there's a lot of guilt that can come with being a carer and or being a relative because you're constantly looking at what's the next thing you might need to do, but also feeling guilty that you can't be there all the time and that you do have to earn money and work and you've got your own family or your own responsibilities, but you feel this need to to be with the person, or I do anyway, with my mum, that I want to be there and do as much as I can for her. That's something that comes out on your show a lot is kind of self-care for carers. And it's an important thing that people really do need to think about when they find themselves in the situation of being a carer. I did that intensively for quite a few years and I think it was probably a mistake to do it so intensively because that is part of the reason now why I am so distant from my dad in some ways. I mean, obviously, if there was nobody else to be there for my dad, I would be there for my dad regardless of, of how I feel. But at this stage, for my own self-care and kind of mental health it's actually better to to not see him the other thing people need to think about is people are always like someone outside the family coming in they're a stranger there's a lot of value to strangers my dad can actually potentially engage better with a stranger in some ways than he can with me because he's got these memories of the way he was with me and he doesn't have that with somebody who's new relationships can be complicated and even if someone's got dementia that doesn't necessarily change. And I think you're right, having someone fresh come in, if it's possible to have someone to help you, that's great. Of course, a lot of people don't have the opportunity and they do end up looking after their loved one for perhaps the whole time. And that's really difficult. And that's where things like carer support groups and finding other people in similar situations can help because it's very difficult to look after someone all the time when they're experiencing a lot of memory issues and all the other things that we've alluded to it is yeah. difficult and you do need an outlet but I'm very aware that not everybody has the luxury of being able to get somebody in to help and exact absolutely and then there's the guilt as well that comes with have you done enough you know are you doing enough like having made considered life decisions to stop being a regular carer for my dad going back over all of this material I'm constantly re-questioning myself you know or listening to your show I'm like have I done enough I actually have made peace I think with my decisions at this stage but I don't know what I'll feel like next year you know up to the point of my dad getting dementia we had a you know very close very open very supportive mutually supportive relationship and I never expected to feel complicated about him and feel guilty around am I doing enough I've, I've got plenty of guilt from my mom and my stepdad so I you know I, I thought my dad would be the, the as he was the one I was close to the one I had a good relationship with that he wouldn't bring those textures into my life you can't be there well I can't be there 24 hours a day and I think it would be hard hard to, to do that but I do feel guilty a lot of the time of whether I'm doing enough and um, 
I don't really know if there's any way around that. One thing I do know is that because mum's memory is, you know, she, short-term memory is not great. If we were to go out and do something for the day, sometimes when we get in the car to come back, she'll have forgotten what it is that we've done. But I know that she feels good inside there's an emotion that comes with having done something that sticks with her and that's good because it would be very easy to think well what's the point of going out for a cup of tea because as soon as we've done it she'll have forgotten but that's not the case I know she gets a lot of enjoyment out of you know having a drive and going somewhere and she might not remember the details but she remembers the feeling that came with it and that's important that's what keeps you going. What have you learned from making this show and going on this journey with your mum I guess about dementia but also about yourself or your mum or anything else really I guess I suppose it sort of shines a spotlight on our relationship and um and it's kind of nice to do something with her when I know she's got dementia and things will change all the time but it feels like our little project that we're doing together and whenever I bring out my microphone she's always like yes we must tell people about dementia and not to be afraid and it mustn't be stigmatized and all that so sort of brings out a little fire in her and it's nice I I enjoy doing it with her and taking her on things and showing her things that I found out as well which I'm hoping to do actually tomorrow I'm hoping to to take her somewhere and show her something and record it as we go and and I hope she'll enjoy so it's just been nice to do something with my mum I guess yeah I mean there's there's one moment in uh in the I think that the dementia adventure episode there's a, a a moment that made me chuckle because I've listened to that episode twice now and uh, there's a moment that made me chuckle in each one where your mum says uh, normally I have uh, someone someone with me to do this and you're like uh, I- I'm someone yeah. <laughs> something yeah. along those lines so we're going yeah you're going the right way am I yeah no no this way oh, that's this the right way, way. yeah I'm so lost. I usually have somebody with me, not not a, a nurse, but just a friend, mm. and um, I just go well, without thinking, and I don't really realise. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really related to that moment. I've been in so many of those times with my dad. I'm having to remind him, you know, I'm not just your child. I'm I'm also a kind of potential adult in this circumstance. I can kind of look after you, maybe in this circumstance. And it's when that it's when that relationship sort of. Roles reverse, yeah. yeah, yeah, and but that's that's fine. And I I know that dementia can affect your mood sometimes as well. So sometimes mum will be a bit cross about things and might tell me off about something. But then equally, a few minutes later, she'll tell me that you know this is great, this is wonderful. I'm really enjoying being with you. So it's a real roller coaster every time you hang out. But um, I think it's nice to have those little moments documented and the memories that come with it as well. I wonder how yeah. long they've been here. We used to come here when you were tiny. Mm. That's a long time ago. To Exmouth or to Devon? Both. Mm. We, we, we did a lot of coming to Devon and Cornwall when you were small. You probably don't remember it really <laughs> very well. And we, we used to come most years, different places, We'd go to different places. It was lovely. And that episode when we're on the holiday together and we go on a boat trip, she starts to remember holidays that she's been on before. And I don't know if, if she didn't have dementia and perhaps we were doing things differently. I don't know if we necessarily bring up all those things from the past. And her memory of her childhood is very strong now, yeah. less so as time goes on um, in terms of what she can remember more recently. But her childhood memories are really strong. So I'm learning things about my grandparents and even my great grandparents right. that I didn't necessarily know before or and the details she has are are amazing (laughs) really which is which is fascinating it's valuable in terms of they get to remember things that they're excited about or want to remember but it's also so valuable for us to get to know our parents before we were around you know what they might have been like before we were around Yeah. And her home is a treasure trove because she's lived in the same house for around about 50 years and it's full of everything from my childhood. But also when her parents died and they brought things to the house and my dad's parents as well, actually, every cupboard is stuffed full of memory. So, I mean, if if we're ever stuck for something to do, we just need to open a cupboard and take things out and then just endless stories. And do you remember this? And and boxes and boxes of photos, you know, we could, and that's why sometimes I feel bad for not spending even more time there because 
there's so many things we could be doing and looking through. So I'm I'm trying to put together now a little album of photos, not even an album, just loose photos in a box in the living room. So if she's ever sitting in there on her own having a cup of tea or something, she can just get them out and she's constantly got little memories and things that she can be looking at. But the whole house, that's why it's so lovely that she can be there at the moment. It's just full of things that make her feel secure and safe and memories of my dad and of her family. Thank you so much for for letting me come to your house and basically tell you all of the things about my dad. I feel like I've talked more than I expected to in the conversation, but I feel like sometimes when we're podcasting and also when we're dealing with our feelings around dementia and our parents and stuff, there's very few people we can share (laughs) our experiences with that kind of get it. No, it is important, I think, to be able to talk to someone who understands and people, you know, friends and other family members understand to, to a degree. But I think if you're if you've experienced it firsthand, it's always helpful to compare notes with someone else. I think you need all of those things, really, to get a perspective on it. past and future episodes of Down to a Sunless Sea on the Getting Better Acquainted podcast feed or on the podcast feed dedicated to Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad. And if you want to hear past and future episodes of Penny's podcast, it's called Discovering Dementia. And you should be able to find both shows anywhere that you go to get your podcast. And if you can't find Down to a Sunless Sea where you normally find your podcasts, let me know and I'll put that right. Down to a Sunless Sea Memories of My Dad is on Facebook and you can find it on Twitter at SunlessPod. You can email the show at downtoasunlesspod at gmail.com. All of the episodes and the show notes are collected together at downtoasunlesspod.com. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Goosefat101. Some of the piano that you've heard in this episode was written by Mozart and Haydn, and it was all played by Penny's mum. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting, is because it's just normal stuff. It's normal stuff, isn't it? Is there any milk out there? Uh, I can't see any. Okay. I can, I can have it black. I've got one. It's okay. Did I used to do this when I was younger for record you? What do you mean when you were young? Did you have black? No. <laughs> you, mean, <laughs> you mean when you were a child or when you were learning to use it? I used to make radio programs with... I know that. Yeah, but did I ever record you? Do you remember? Oh, yes, you used to do that. I can't remember what we said there. Oh, dear. How much milk do you like? Just enough. Is that okay? Yep, that's what I do. Same as me, then. No, what I was going to say was... Can you cut bits out? Yes, I can. <laughs> well, no, what I was—I'm just going to forget about it. What I was wondering was, um, how do you approach this sort of thing if you're going to give a talk about it or have it? Oh, okay. Well, no. I just what I want to do is—I want to do a series of little short programs mm-hmm. that just help people who um, are the daughter, the son, the husband, the wife, people who are with people who are having memory problems, Mm -hmm. who might then go on, that looks lovely to me, thank you, who might then go on to have, I'll put the sugar in. I might go on to... Who might then go on to have a dementia diagnosis. It's interesting though, even though we're not scientists, we're not 
talking about science that much. This is still science because we're talking about experiential data. You're recording experiential data and you record your your mum or any of the other guests that you've had on who are people living with dementia or carers for people living with dementia. We're all data points. You know, you're not separate in a way from my science expert guests who will come later.